a new series, a 10-week series on elements. And uh, how many of you, when you were in high school, took chemistry? Okay, that's what we're going to be talking about today. No, I'm just kidding. I was, uh, I was not a good student in uh, chemistry, so I actually got put into a class. They called it Chemistry in the Community, whatever that is. And I guess it's supposed to teach you about chemistry, but it's supposed to make it a little bit more simplified uh, version for you. Um, but I was thinking about our Christian life, our, um, our relationship with Christ, the things that we, that we do as we live upon this earth. And there are some very important things, some very important elements, I believe, that are connected with the Christian life. Um, and I've kind of picked out about 10 of them here. Now, this is not an exhaustive list because I'm sure there's probably some things that we're going to cover that you're probably like, well, yeah, that's important, but this is way more important. Um, and that's, that's fine. Um, but I, I see these as being uh, kind of primary in uh, the Word of God, and I believe that as we look at these things, I, I think it, it'll be a, a help to you. Um, I, I really want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through these next 10 weeks, um, because I find that even the things that we know, 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 are usually those are the things that we kind of let slip, or we kind of allow those things to pass off to the side. Um, primarily because we're so familiar with them that we don't give great attention or detail to them. And uh, I believe as we look at these elements, one thing I really want to stress to you is that God is as concerned with us knowing what the Bible says as he is concerned with us knowing him in a greater way. Those two things work hand in hand. Uh, the more that you come to understanding the word of God as you spend time in it, as you read it and meditate upon it, the more you should come to know who God is in a greater way. Uh, there were a group of people around in Jesus' day that they knew what the scriptures taught, but they really did not make that connection with a personal relationship with God himself. Um, we all know who those are. They had many traditions. They had things that they wanted to teach the commandments of men above what uh, God actually um, said in his word. So I really want you to allow the Holy Spirit throughout these next 10 weeks. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him to speak to you. Ask him to show you um, some things that as we look at them, as we examine them, maybe some things that you've allowed to slip by the wayside. And maybe if you have been giving attention to those things, ask the Holy Spirit, say, will you please drive in my heart a deeper passion to know who you are in a greater way and allow those things to uh, take root in your heart so that you come to know Christ in a better way. Ephesians 1.17 says it this way. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And so I believe when we examine these uh, elements over the next 
10 weeks, I believe that um, we should be asking God the Father, saying, please give me wisdom to know you in a greater way. So why don't we go ahead and we'll pray and then we'll jump into this uh, first element here. Lord, thank you for this time that we got uh, to worship you in song this morning. And we praise you. We praise you for creation. We praise you for our salvation. We praise you uh, for the things that you have done and brought into our lives. And Lord, as we heard testimonies here this morning and as we prayed, God, these are all outward expressions of things that have been going on in our heart throughout the week, um, even in our lives. And I pray that this morning, as we look into your word, that you will give us wisdom to know you in a better way, to know you in a, in a more passionate way. Help us not to cast off these things that might be familiar to us, but help us to know them in a greater way, to know what the Bible does say, and so that we can apply them to our heart. Thank you so much for your goodness and your love towards us in our life, and we ask all this in your name. Amen. So this morning, we are going to start uh, with this very first one, and it is on joy. What is joy? What is joy? Um, If I were to ask you that question, what would you say? What would I say? Um, What do we know about joy? How does it act within the body of Christ? How does it play out in our daily Christian life? If asked to describe it, would you say, what would you say? Would you rattle off a whole bunch of verses about joy? Would you possibly give some lyrics to some songs that you know about joy? Um, Would we describe it with property, stuff, or belongings? What is joy? What do we really know about it? Well, as I looked throughout the Word of God this week and examined what the Scriptures saw... I found that throughout God's word, there are 193 times that the word joy, joyfully or joyous, is used throughout all scripture. So this morning I have 193 points. No, I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, oh boy. But no, really, as I looked at these words, I found that as I looked at them, there were ones that were similar and ones that uh, used the same word. And I narrowed down the list and I was able to come and find that in the Old Testament that there are five words that are primarily used for the word joy. And we'll look at the New Testament after we look at the Old Testament here. But here are these five words that talks about joy. First one here is in Leviticus 26.35. And it's the word enjoy, and it basically means to be you're pleased with something or an accomplishment. Here's the verse. Then the land said, enjoy its Sabbath as long as it lies desolate while you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbath. So many times throughout the Old Testament, the word enjoy is used to show an emotion of being pleased with something or an accomplishment of something. And in this case, the land that uh, God was talking about here, the land was going to enjoy its rest. Another way we could understand this is uh, how many of you after service today, you're probably going to go out to eat. Raise your hand. Okay. Your belly is going to enjoy 
food. It's going to have a sense of satisfaction and enjoyment. That's one of the uh, ways that uh, the Bible describes joy. Here's another one. uh, Number two, we find the word enjoy. And this one is used in Joshua 1.15. And it says to occupy, getting an inheritance or possession. And so here Joshua 1.15 gives us a good understanding of this. He says in 1.15, until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them, after that you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So the word possess is the word for enjoy here in this uh, verse here. And they were to enjoy their inheritance. Some of you that uh, may have uh, had an inheritance, uh, some things have been passed down upon you. You can maybe look at those things and you say, I enjoy these things. These are some things that have been given to me and I take pleasure in them and I enjoy them. So that's one way that uh, the Bible describes enjoy. Third one here is the word joy. And it means to be lighthearted, merry, to have glee, gladness, or pleasure. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, we hear the story about how David slays Goliath. And that was a big deal. I mean, this giant Goliath was defying the uh, armies of the Israelites. David the shepherd boy, about 17 years old, goes out to face this man of war. And uh, David comes to him just with uh, slingshots and some stones. Goliath, of course, he's got all on his armor and he's got a, a spear like a weaver's beam, the Bible tells us. And with a stone, David basically takes down that giant. And as David returns back to Jerusalem, there is a party going on. Now listen to what he says in 1 Samuel 18, verse number 6. It says, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, and with timbrels and lyres. So they were merry, they were lighthearted, there was glee, there was an enjoyment, they were happy. That something had happened like this, that God had delivered them out of this hand of the Philistine. Here's a fourth one that we find. Tells us here, uh, the fourth one, joy to delight in a cause or an object. In Psalm 48 verses 1 through 2, it gives us that joy is tied with with an object. He says this, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, like the heights of Zaphon, is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. And so in this verse, the city of the great king, the holy mountain that uh, the psalm writer is talking about, Mount Zion, is the object and obviously the joy of the whole earth. You know, if you talk to any Jew and you start talking to them about Israel, you start talking to them about the kingdom of Israel, you start talking to them about that holy mountain, 
There's no doubt about it that there is a sense of joy, of satisfaction that comes over and into their speech because they are so excited about their nation, Israel. I remember we used to go uh, we'd go to the mall. How many of you ever seen those uh, uh, little uh, side shops set up kind of in the middle of the mall? It's like Dead Sea Minerals. You ever see those ones? And they always say, can I see your hand? Would you like to try this? Okay. A lot of those people are from Israel. And they're Jews. And you start talking to them about Israel. There's a joy and excitement that comes over them. And so here we see that it's a delight in a cause or an object is what the Bible describes for us. Lastly, here in the Old Testament, joy is described to break out in joyful sound, to make a loud noise, sound a battle cry, spin around in intense emotion, and to jump. Isaiah 52, 9 describes it this way. He says, burst into songs of joy together, you Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The prophet Isaiah gives a salvation of message to this nation of Israel who has basically become into ruins And he tells them, he says, you need to burst forth because salvation has come. You need to burst forth into song. You need to burst forth in joy and in happiness. You need to be jumping. Why? Because God will bring salvation to his people. And he will redeem them from their bondage. But really, as we just looked at these five words, has that really told us exactly what joy really is? I mean, it's given us some descriptions But really, what is joy? I mean, we can all agree that, yeah, joy is happiness. Joy is being, you know, filled with an emotion. And and maybe you're singing. Maybe you're jumping. But what really is joy? Well, let's take a look here at the New Testament and see what the New Testament says. So again, out of the 193 times that we see in the New Testament about joy, joy we find some words in the new testament here they are first of all we find this the word rejoice philippians chapter 2 verses 17 through 18 tells us it means to be cheerful to be well off he says in but even if i am being poured out this is paul speaking even if i am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul basically says, regardless of my circumstances in life, even if in my time of sufferings for Jesus Christ, Paul says, even if my life is going to be slaughtered, if I'm going to be executed, if my life is going to be poured out as an offering... Paul says that I need to be cheerful and well off. He says I need to be overjoyed that what God is doing in my life. Here's the second one. We find this one, overjoyed. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, it means to jump for joy, to be glad, to gush forth, to spring up. 1 Peter 4, 13 says, but rejoice... Inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. 
Here, Peter says that we need to rejoice, to be cheerful, to participate in the sufferings of Christ. So when you do, okay, here's the word, when you do uh, have these sufferings, he says, when these things come, you need to be overjoyed, you need to be jumping for joy. You say, now that's kind of crazy because... I'm suffering for the name of Christ and you want me to be joyous. I need to be overjoyed. I need to be jumping up and down. I need to be glad. I need to be gushing forth. I need to be springing up. That's what the Bible says needs to happen. Again, this is a choice that Peter says, something that you choose to do, that you choose to rejoice in times of suffering. Here's the third one. The word joy. In Luke chapter number 623, it means to skip or to leap as a baby leaps in a mother's womb. Now, I had to ask my wife about this one. Because I don't know what that's like. <laughs> and I don't remember it either. But I said, so what does it feel like when the baby jumps in your womb? She's like, it feels Weird. I, I don't know. It's it, it just, it just weird. It's different. And God says here in Luke 6.23, he says, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Jesus tells us about when we encounter persecution as believers and when we're mistreated, that we are to rejoice and to skip to leap for joy. Because this is something that we need to choose to do. He says you need to leap. You need to rejoice. You need to have that skipping about yourself because of what is going on in your life. Here's a fourth one. Joy. In Acts chapter 2 verse 28. To be put in a good frame of mind. He says this, you have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Peter here, of course, is, is speaking to this multitude of people on the day of Pentecost. And he is quoting what David said in the Old Testament. And he ties it back to Jesus Christ. And Peter says, you have made known to me the paths of life. This is David. He says, God, you have made known to me the paths of life. And you fill me, you put me in a good frame of mind because of what I know about you. And that causes joy in my life. So it was a life that was marked by cheerfulness and joyfulness as what Peter says here. Here's a fifth one. In Romans chapter 5.11, we have the word boast. It's the same word for joy. It means to glory, to joy, to rejoice. And Romans 5.11 says this, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Paul says because of our salvation that we have in Christ, he says we are to be boasting about that. We need to be joyous about that. Why? Because... We have now received reconciliation. In other words, there was at one time that we were at enemies with God. And because of what Jesus did, because I received Christ, 
I'm no longer an enemy of God. And so I should be boasting about what Christ has done in my life. And we should have rejoicing that I have been brought back into fellowship with God. Here's the last one. Number six, joy. Having gratitude to be gracious in the heart and grateful in your reflection of life. In Philemon chapter 1 verse number 7, Paul writes to Philemon and he's talking to him about Onesimus who was a runaway servant. And Onesimus had evidently done some things and he had said some things and he had treated uh, Philemon not in a good way, but Paul knew Onesimus. In fact, he said he was, he was one that, that he led to Christ. And he says, I know this man. And he says, whatever, whatever he has done, I want you to put that on my account. And this is what Paul says in Philemon 1.7. He says, your love has given me great joy. It has brought gratitude in my heart. It, is, it has brought thankfulness in my life. And I'm gracious in the heart and grateful in your reflection of life. He says, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, Philemon, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So Paul here says, basically, hey, I am to have joy in my life. I'm to be thankful in my heart. Now, I think we're getting closer here a little bit of understanding really kind of what joy really is. You see, so far in the Old Testament, joy is being characterized as having pleasure or delight. In the New Testament here, we see it as being characterized as being cheerful, boasting, or being grateful. So we know that joy then is a feeling or it's an emotion that works its way in our lives. How is the question. Because... None of us really just go through life and we flip on a switch and we say, I'm going to be joyful. It doesn't happen that way. And don't confuse what biblical joy is with happiness and the fact that I feel happy today. Because when our circumstances change, happiness sometimes leaves. But with joy, it's different. Because no matter the circumstances, you can still be joyful. So that tells us something about what real biblical joy really is. How does it work in our life? How does it work you you and me as being a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, let's examine one other scripture here about joy. Look what he says here in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 23. Paul writes, he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so here we are told that the fruit of the Spirit or the working of the Spirit in your life and in my life, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, is that we are supposed to have joy. This is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. This is something that you don't do on yourself, that I don't do on myself. This has to be something that the Spirit of God works in your life. We cannot make these things happen. You cannot have true biblical joy apart from the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. You cannot fake joy. You either have it or you don't. 
And every time that we looked at the word and the joy in the Bible, do you know what it was always associated with? It was associated with God. How God has been doing things in their life. Whether giving them land or giving them gratitude, God was at work in their life. So the word joy here in Galatians is associated with the one that we looked at there in Philemon 1.7 of having gratitude, to be gracious in the heart and grateful in your reflection of life. But it carries along with it a very interesting uh, definition with it. It's the word charis or the word grace. We get the word charismatic from that word, a gift. So we find here the fruit of the Spirit is something that has been given to us graciously by the Holy Spirit. And it's a gift of grace. And it's been given to you through Jesus Christ as he is at work in your life. So the Holy Spirit produces that fruit in your life. He produces fruit in my life. So here is the biblical definition of joy. Here it is. You can write this down if you want to. Joy is thankfulness in the heart for the gracious gift of grace through the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. Joy is thankfulness in the heart for the gracious gift of grace through the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. So how does that work in our lives then? Because here I am as a believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm told here in Galatians chapter 5.22 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, so forth and so on. But I'm supposed to have joy in my life if the Holy Spirit is at work in my life. I became a Christian. I became a follower of Jesus. I trusted Jesus as my Savior. I turned from my sin. I turned to Christ. And the Holy Spirit came to indwell in me. And I am supposed to allow him to be at work in my life. How? There's two things I want to give you. How joy works in your life. First of all, through his word. In John chapter 14, 26, Jesus says this, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus here tells us that the Holy Spirit will teach us about Christ. And the most authoritative and the clearest place where we see the beauty of Christ is in his word, the Bible. So as I spend time reading God's word, the Bible, the Holy Spirit is at work in my heart. And the Holy Spirit is teaching me about Jesus in his word. And the Holy Spirit says, that's Jesus. That is Jesus. That is what you need to follow. That's your example. That's how you need to live. This is how Christ lived. This is the Savior. This is Christ. And the Holy Spirit is at work in my life. And he's working through his word. And so the Spirit gives us eyes to see the beauties of Jesus that call joy up out of our hearts. It's, remember, it's nothing that, that we produce on our own. And so when we see Christ exalted, we see Christ lifted up, it causes 
stirs within us a spirit of gratitude. It stirs within us a spirit of emotion and joy, happiness that starts to bubble up inside of us because we see Jesus for who he really is in his word. John 15, 11 tells us that the fullness of joy comes to those who continue in the love of Christ and obey him. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So how does joy work in your life? Well, it works through his word. Here's the second thing of how joy works in your life. Through trials and difficulties of life. We're told in several places about how trials and difficulties produce joy in our life. Peter and John in Acts chapter 5 verse 41 found their scourging and for an occasion of joy. He says rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. As they were out preaching there were men that came to Peter and John and they said, you are not supposed to be teaching in this name. They wouldn't even say the name of Jesus. And they continued to do it. And so what did they do? They beat them. And Peter and John says, we're counting it worthy. We are overjoyed that we are being beaten for the name of Jesus. That's not something that they decided to do. How did that happen? Because of what Christ was doing in their life and in their hearts. Suffering brings joy as believers are united with Christ in his suffering. 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 13 through 14 says, But rejoice in so as far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of of glory and of God rests upon you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 4 through 16. Paul tells about his trials and his difficulties of going to Macedonia. And in verse 5 he talks about the affliction that he encountered. Listen to what he says. He says for even when we came into Macedonia our bodies had no rest. But we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But even in all that circumstance, Paul still had joy in his life. In James chapter 1 verse number 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why is God doing this? Why does God permit trials and difficulties to come into our life? It's because he wants to produce joy in your life. Joy is not focused on your circumstances. It's not focused on what you have or don't have. It's not concerned if you have a good day or a bad day. Joy is a supernatural work of the Spirit of God that is when we encounter Christ in his word and as we navigate through life with all of its trials and difficulties and hardships and disappointments in life, 
God is at work in our life and he is causing us not to look at those things around us, but to fasten our attention on Jesus Christ. It is that looking towards Christ that causes us to be thankful in the heart for the gift of grace that God has so graciously given us. And this is what causes that gushing forth of life, that leaping and that shouting for joy in our lives, the boasting of the work of God in our lives. Because it says, no matter the circumstances, Jesus Christ is in control. No matter my disappointments in life, Jesus is still on the throne. No matter what life has thrown at me, Jesus Christ is still my Savior. And I have been saved from my sins. I've been reconciled to God. And there is joy that is produced in our life. This is what causes us to be in a good frame of mind. To be content and truly joyful in the Lord. So I want to bring all of this to a conclusion here. I want to give you four true statements about joy. And I think as we go through these, I think maybe one or maybe all of them or maybe a couple of them could be a reason of why we do not have joy in our life is what the Bible truly says, what biblical joy really is. So here they are, four true statements about joy. First of all, number one, the Holy Spirit desires to produce joy in our lives. If we do not have the fruit of the Spirit, it is not the Holy Spirit's fault. It's our fault. Because we are either walking in the Spirit or we are walking in the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, countering what Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is, if you want to read it on your own time, I encourage you to do so. He says that the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit is the desires, the lust of the flesh. So either you are walking in the Spirit or you're not walking in the Spirit. Either you have joy or you don't. And so when we choose to walk in the Spirit, the Bible says that He will produce the fruit of the Spirit naturally. It's something that we don't turn on and off by ourselves. So Paul tells us we need to have this joy in our life by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, joy is produced only, 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 only as we yield to the working of the Spirit in our lives. The two ways that God wants to work through your life and producing joy is through His Word and through trials and difficulties in your life. So let's just take those two examples. Here I am, I'm a believer in Jesus, and I want joy in my life. I want to make sure that I have the fruit of the Spirit of joy in my life. So I have His Word. And as I read the Word of God, Christ begins to impress upon my heart some things that are out of kilter with Him. It shows me where I've kind of gotten off track. It shows me where I've drifted. Now I have one or two options. I can either yield to the Spirit and say, yes, Lord, you're exactly right. You have shown me where I have gotten off course. And I yield to the Spirit and I get brought back in alignment with his word. Or I can do this and say, well, that was nice. So 
through his word, the Holy Spirit desires to work in our heart and he wants to produce joy through the working of his word. When trials and difficulties come, is it, oh me? Or what does God want to teach me through this? Is it, I sure got a bad hand in life? Or how can I grow in my knowledge of Jesus Christ through this difficulty? How can my love for God be strengthened and my joy in Christ be full to the brim, running over because I've allowed this trial and difficulty in my life. I've yielded to the Holy Spirit working in my life to produce joy in my heart. Thirdly, joy is a conscious decision to look towards Christ in the beautiful and the ugly seasons of life. Notice I just didn't say the ugly times of life, but the beautiful seasons of life. God has given us everything to enjoy in our lives. Everything. So even in the times where everything is beautiful, everything is just working, everything is just meshing together, do I have joy in my life? And when the ugly seasons of life come, do I have joy in my life? It should be constant during the beautiful seasons and the ugly seasons in life. You see, in every circumstance, God is giving us an opportunity for growth in the beautiful and the ugly. He gives us opportunities for the fruit of the Spirit, in this case, joy, to produce itself in our lives. Possessing joy is a choice that we have to make. It's a conscious decision to look towards Christ in that time. And so when we yield to the Spirit, he opens our eyes to what God is doing in his grace. And he opens our eyes to seeing what God is doing in our lives. And we stand back and we say, wow, I didn't realize that God brought that difficulty in my life. God brought that trial in my life. God allowed those things to come into my life for a purpose, for a reason, because he wants me to live this life in joy. Fourthly, Jesus gave us a perfect example of joy. Jesus is our great example of joy. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, it says this, Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus looked towards the cross, and he saw the pain. He saw the difficulty. In fact, if you can remember, just hours before, as he was in the garden, he was praying, and he said, Father, he said, if it be possible, take this cup away from me. But what did he do? He yielded to God, and he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will will be done. And Jesus went to the cross and he knew of the pain. He knew of the suffering. Why? Because he knew through the suffering of the cross, he would bring many sons and daughters into glory because of what he accomplished on the cross. And it brought joy in his life. He did it with joy and he performed it in joy. He is our pioneer and he is our perfecter of faith. And so we need to look towards Jesus Christ as our example of joy. The fact that he did those things with joy. 
So do you have joy? Are you living in the realm of joy? Is the fruit of the Spirit manifesting itself as joy in your life? If not, I believe we need to start asking the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, is there an area in my life where I've kind of gotten off track? Maybe in your word? Maybe through some trial or difficulty, I have not allowed you to produce joy in my life. Have I not been submissive and allowing myself to yield myself to the working of you in my life? Let's pray together. 